Ahoy there, landlubbers! Whispers in the Sea is an actual play series drawing elements from stories of fantasy horror, political drama, and swashbuckling action and adventure pirate stories. As such, a list of content warnings will always be made available in the description. You and Gabriella turn to look. You see Thorin running and like soaring over <laughs> as he has cleared all of the landings in front and then like upon the apex of this jump, Lee breaks yeah. away and Thorin yeah. goes diving into the river. And that is the kind of thing which led people to call him Thorin Ravenwing. Gabriella turns and says, You fucking see that? I'm not sure I did. That was quite a show. That was fucking crazy. And before she can finish saying <laughs> what she was going to say, you then start to hear subsequent booms in a chorus, one by one by one, starting on the opposite side of the port. I grab Gabriella and, like, dive away from the, th I'm like, get the fuck out of here, oh my gosh. <laughs> Our starboard side seems to fully face the Blue Coast ship. We are completely perpendicular to their vessel. Bryn looks to Fontaneva while she's sitting at the helm and she's holding like the wheel as like high as she can. She goes, she goes to Fontaneva and goes, would you mind readying the cannons? What the fuck is going on? Fontaneva looks up and says, you can't be serious. Oh, I'm quite serious. Aiming your weapons at a naval ship. That's grounds for execution, you realize. And she kind of gives like a little wave to Gabrielle. I'd like to see you try to chop my head off. It'd be quite interesting. It might be in your best interest to let us and our friends at the end leave port without any issue. And you are for sure that you've got her against the wall here until you hear the sound coming from above. Hey, Captain! We've got her! And the two of you turn to look up to see Captain Hano in the arms of six naval crew members. I mean, you thought it was a map, right? Um, it seems less like it now that you're looking at it. Estefania goes, it's a riddle of some kind. I'm not familiar with it, nor do I intend to entertain it. And she begins to recite something as if it were poetry and touch her hand upon the map. I think you start to see like glimpses of like an image of the page itself, but with a map filled in the box where currently there's nothing on the actual map. And goes, all right, I've gotten what I need. You can take it. Excellent. He uh, pulls out his pipe and he, uh, he, takes a, he takes a long drag of the pipe holding in the smoke. He says, I would like that page you just created, though. And then he snaps his fingers and the smoke turns into fire. You are watching as, like, Estefania is, like, watching in horror as these, as, like, the fire around begins to spread across the room. And she immediately drops the gun, which, like, unfolds into just a sheet of paper and, like, runs to her books and are, like, desperately, like, trying to save things. She's like, no, my work! I think that almost out of nowhere, a crack of lightning goes across the sky. As this is happening, 
Bryn is holding onto the ship and um, becoming partly ethereal as she had done before. Strong gales and, and heavy rain seem to come out of nowhere, and it starts to rock the ship of the Union, as well as the people that are on the dock are kind of being pushed around by the wind. Thorin holds himself over the edge of the ship, looks up to see Avery and goes, Ugh, my son. And then just kind of gently says that and just walks past. Oh, oh my gosh, can, can I, we need to get you down to the medical bay, oh my goodness. You better have a good reason for why you disappeared. And he pulls out the map. All right, reason enough. And she grabs it and says, we'll take a look at this once we're safe. All right, everybody, raise anchor. Let's get the fuck out of here. sailors and welcome to another episode of tales yet told an actual play podcast dedicated to telling weird and fun stories full of imagination thoughtful characterization and inclusivity i am your most humble of game masters kendrick smith or kendo if you prefer i use they he pronouns and with me today are the loveliest crew that anyone could ask for gus well howdy y'all this is uh... a <laughs> This is, wait, did I, did I get it wrong? Sorry. No, 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 no. Please continue. No. Nope. Yeah, what's up? I'm I'm Gus. I use he, him pronouns. I am playing the fascinating Felix Cormier tonight. Hilda. Oh, hi. That's me. I'm Hilda. She, her pronouns. I'll be playing Avery Morgan, who uses he, him pronouns. So that's fun. Very fun. Ellis. Hello. My name is Ellis, I use they, them pronouns, I suppose, and I will be portraying Thorin and Eldorus today. Marcy! Howdy there. Welcome back to Speculation in the Saloon. Ah, My name's Marceline. Okay, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, we're copywriting that. That's our Western season. Speculation in the saloon. It's going to be a murder mystery. Count fucking write this down. Write this down. I don't care when it happens. It's going to happen. It's called Speculation in the Saloon. It's going to be our... our, 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 A murder mystery in the the West? A murder mystery horror Western. Write it down. It's happening. Mm, No one's ever done it, of course. Anyways, I'm Marceline. I use she, her pronouns, and uh, I'm right happy to have y'all come along with us. And I'm right happy to come along, uh, to have you all come along w- with us as well. Uh- <laughs> Marcy, who are you playing? Oh, yeah, I'll be playing Bryn, Lil Stinker. Lil Stinker Bryn. 
little, I'll pull a gun on a cop any day of the week. <laughs> True. <laughs> and she won't hesitate. Will not hesitate. And you know what? I respect her for it. I'm dying. Brand embodies that vine. <laughs> I won't hesitate, bitch. <laughs> Thorin's kind of dying. Not like dying, dying. You just got some broken fingers. Fingies. Oh, you were also stabbed. And my stabbed. side slashed open. I, I did forget about that. I did do that, didn't I? Oh, did we? I did. Everybody else is fine, though, right? Oh, great. Yeah. Felix is fine. Yeah. They have a bunch of money and thing. Avery's fine. Avery's helping you out. It's good. See, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you all for listening again today. Uh, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> no, no. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Whispers in the Sea, uh, our our game of Rapscallion, the pirate game, uh, where we are uh, doing a bunch of stuff. We're on an adventurer hunting treasure, just like pirates do be doing. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We're about to hoist anchor, lower those sails, and be off on an adventure. We we'll, are disintegrating. We'll see you in a second. Bye. Our camera fades in on the visage of the Bois Perdue, carving its way through the ocean as pillars of salty water crash against the hull of the ship. And the storm overhead dwindles as they move further and further away from Paraiso and Contrado. Our camera moves in following the crew of the ship as they are making preparations for a long sail to, well, somewhere that's not here, far from the reaches of the Union Navy that's sure to be on your tail after your little incident at the docks. The camera follows past each and every single one of them as they're moving boxes, tying ropes, swabbing the deck of all of the rain and debris, and getting fresh drinks of water to clear their lungs of the smoke they've all inhaled from the colorful firework display that the painted fleet uh, left in their wake. And our camera moves down the stairs of the ship, down into the lower decks, following Avery Morrigan helping support a injured Thorin down to the medical room to treat his wounds. The two of them passed by a crew member here or there going down the hall before finding a room on the left. It's a small room, not necessarily the best place to care for the wounded, but it will have to make do. The only light in here is coming from a porthole on the other side of the room and a small lantern that's hooked over a desk that's been pushed to the side of the room, where on top of it is this handmade wooden kind of rack where small vials and bottles of different tonics and ingredients for medicines are displayed. Also on this desk are journals and sheets of papers of documentation of all of the different medical procedures that have taken place on the ship. Dr. Aleph Blau, your resident surgeon, takes great care in making sure that he knows exactly everything that has happened to the people on the ship so that he can make sure that he does his best to get everyone in tip-top shape, ready for the next adventure. And as the two of you enter, you see him sitting at the desk, 
kind of pouring over uh, some of the new ingredients that uh, they've just gotten and, and different tools and stuff that he's picked up uh, during your stay in Paraiso in Contrado uh, while other people were partying and so on and so forth. Dr. Aleph Blau is a large man, probably standing somewhere between six and a half to seven feet tall. He's broad, muscular build, but his body is covered in this weird kind of fur, almost. It's not quite the color of hair, but it almost takes on the color of leaves, really. It's like they're cloaking him in nature's grasp. He has like these long bearded dreads uh, that kind of go down to his lower back uh, in a beard that is uh, braided and tied together in knots in his front. He always has the faint smell of mint around him for some reason. And it becomes stronger as you all approach. And he turns to you as you all kind of enter the room and says, Hey, Thorin, it's good to see you. How, uh, how are you? Do you need some kind of help? Or? Mm, yes, you do need help. Come, sit, sit, sit. How do you feel about setting finger bones and sewing up my side? Oh, finger bones, sides, sewing? I can take care of that quickly. Please, take a seat. Thank you. Avery, like, helps... Thorin sit down, like, gently instead of, yeah. like, jostling in any way. Thank you. Thank you, Avery. Of course. There's a small wooden stool uh, that uh, Avery, I think, uh, is, like, kind of in the corner of the room that you pull over for uh, Thorin, where uh, you take a seat and it kind of creaks under your weight. It's an old stool, probably should be replaced. And he gets up from his chair, walks over towards you, uh, just kind of taking stock of you as he does. Just fingers, sights, no other injuries. Mild concussion, but I know what to do with that. And obviously anything else you can see. But that's what I know of. Of course. Young, uh, and he snaps his fingers towards you, Avery. Uh, Avery, a pleasure. Pleasure, of course. Ah. New to the ship, right? Yes. Very good, very good. I, I'll have to have you come in for a checkup soon. Uh, that can be another day. Uh, can you grab that lantern for me? Uh, of course. Uh, I go grab it off the hook, bring it over. Yeah, he uh, motions for you to bring it over and kind of hold it up to the side of Thorin as uh, he looks over towards you and says, Well, moving the shirt, does it uh, hurt? Shirt in your wound? Not, not that I know of. And at this point, Thorin just goes to get the shirt off. We should probably set my fingers first. Fingers, no problem. Start with cut. And he'll, like, take the, the shirt and, like, move it up a little bit uh, for you. You don't have to hurt shirt. And we'll uh, kind of uh, take a look and, like, motion for you to move the lantern closer uh, so that he can see uh, into the wound. Yep, just trying to stay out of the way, but also hold... The light wherever it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Takes like a quick look at it. You see uh, he uh, reaches into, he's wearing like kind of like a, a smock with this large pocket in it. 
uh, he takes out uh, like small uh, like metal like tools and rods and like kind of pokes around a little bit around the room, just kind of like moving around, making sure that there's no like shrapnel or anything like that in it that needs to be removed. All right, does this hurt? And like kind of presses uh, along the, the wound. Good, good, good. You're feeling. As long as you're feeling, you're alive and well. Uh, look at me. Here, and we'll uh, reach into the pocket again and pull out a flask to help with the pain. Uh, yeah, all right. He'll open it, of course, for you, so you don't have to try to open it with your broken fingers. <laughs> My broken-ass fingers. Thorin takes the flask and just not quite angrily takes it, but just dispassionately and tired. It just chugs the whole thing. Just chugs the whole thing and, and puts that bitch on the floor. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very nice. Very quickly, you find your senses beginning to dull and the pain along with it. That's the idea. As he continues to poke and prod, of course, still making sure that there's nothing in there. You see he takes uh, out another small bottle of just like fresh water to help start cleaning the wound as he starts to go and uh, begin the process of, of stitching it up. But there's a couple of minutes here. Thorn where... occasionally reaches over and drinks some of it. Avery's trying to keep like a, a straight face and like keep the lantern where it needs to be, but is also getting queasy looking at all of this. <laughs> and so he's trying to like keep the lantern where it needs to be, but also like not look. Yeah. The doctor does not even like clock this too busy paying attention here. Yeah. It doesn't want to like, is trying not to draw attention to it, but it's definitely a little bit queasy about all of this. Sorry, you got drug into this Avery. I know it's probably not your speed. Oh uh, no, not. I can probably hold the lantern nope. if you want to. Nope. Nope. You stay still. That's probably a bad idea. Yes, stay still, especially while I have the needle in you. Oh, you got a needle. Ah! <laughs> Don't look. You won't know when I pierce you if you do not look. I will. The ah! <laughs> stay still. <laughs> I am staying still. I always stay still. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the two of you like talk while the doctor is doing his thing or do we just move on? I think in this moment, I think Thorne's probably pretty gone. So I think it would be good to just wrap this up. This is something that happens, probably brings us a little bit closer together by nature of what it is. I mean, um, if you keep looking down at the needle, I'm going to try and distract you and myself, but that doesn't have to be a thing. I'm not looking at the needle, but I can feel it. You won't know when it's piercing you. I'll know. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so our camera then moves from there back down the hallway and up to the upper decks where things have kind of calmed down now. The wind is in your sails and the Bois Perdue is very quickly making its way further and further away from your pursuers. Our camera comes up to the main deck uh, while things have started to calm down. Life is getting back to normal as everyone is very eagerly going over all of the things that they were able to pick up from Paraiso and Contrato before uh, you all had to leave, obviously. And there is the hum of that kind of post-port excitement where everyone has new things and there's, there's all of this energy going around as people are so excited for like 
all of the people that they've just seen, all of the things that they've just gotten. And everyone also knows that once you leave portside, that first night, that's when Johan makes the best food because you all have fresh ingredients for the first time in weeks. And so uh, while we're up uh, up here, we're getting all of that like kind of pre-feast excitement going on uh, as everyone is like imagining like, oh man, what is he going to make tonight? Uh, and like just kind of looking over all of this stuff and uh, our camera finds its way towards you, Felix. What are you doing up here? I think Felix spends most of his time on the Bois Perdue not helping necessarily um mm -hmm. i i i think he typically splits his time between you know uh playing some tunes uh on his on his hurdy-gurdy conversing with the crew and uh and and a good amount of just like staring out into the sea i actually think that uh you know s since spirits are a little more lively uh with uh with the prospect of Johan's cooking. Uh, I think he is uh, I think he's playing tunes. I think he's uh, he's trying to trying to match the spirit. Nice. Bryn, are you up here as well? Where, where are you at? I think that Bryn is probably conversing with Captain Hano. Um, I think going over like the events um, and kind of discussing what happened and where we're going and what our plan is moving forward. Okay, cool. So I think up uh, up towards the helm, uh, Captain Hano and you are standing looking out over the rest of the deck uh, as everyone is kind of just milling about. Good work with that storm out there. Really uh, great work. Don't know if we would have been able to make it out of there as cleanly if you hadn't. Uh, don't know how you do it, but you always manage to find a way to surprise us. It's honestly nothing of all. I'm just glad everyone's back aboard, at least in one piece, some in less of a better state, but I'm glad you're safe, Captain. It's unfortunate that things went so poorly. Ah, uh, well, you know, these things happen like this, you know, things break bad. Everyone's safe, though, as you said. Uh... Of course, all accounted for as for Fontaneva, um, and eyes counts, it seems we have everyone aboard, and I wanted to ask, um... By any chance, I know you had a bit of a run-in with, you know, the blue coats. Did they take the compass from you? Oh, <laughs> of course not. And uh, she reaches into a jacket, and then under that is a vest, like a sleeveless vest. Nothing underneath that. So she reaches into, like, past that into the sleeveless vest and takes out the compass. Is this what you got off that uh, that lady? Yeah, it was um, in a small shop on in, along the different stalls. There was a woman peddling Belenusian relics of varying quality and genuine genuinity. But um, it seems like that she did have something of note, and this is it. I, I do appreciate you holding on to food for me. You know how I am with trinkets. Um, unfortunately, not the best thing for me. And bring kind of um. Move, takes her hands in front of her and like moves them through each other. I'm happy to help. She like curiously like looks at it uh, before handing it over to you. Anything special or just a compass? Mm, it's much like the ship. And uh, Bryn kind of tilts, like like, uh, like nods her head over the direction of like the the stone by the wheel and is like, things 
have stronger connections to the spirits and such. Um, and the more pieces I have, the stronger I am, and the more link I have to the things around me. That's all hearsay to some, but it's important to me. I understand that for most it would be just a random bit or a bobble, but for me it's quite important. Hey, you know, no need to explain further. I get it. And she uh, holds up her hook hand. Gotta take care of the things that we care about. Yeah, I do understand and appreciate you. It's unfortunate that the people in ports tend not to think so like us. I agree. And as she says that, uh, Fontaneva uh, makes her way uh, up the stairs and says, Captain, oh, and sees you. Uh, and you see, like, when she sees you, her demeanor kind of falls a little bit. Uh, she kind of nods to you and then looks towards Captain Hano. Captain, I, if I may have a word with you in private. Uh, Captain Hano uh, kind of looks taken aback by that for a second and says, yeah, sure. Uh I guess, meet me in my quarters? And Fontaneva nods uh, about faces and heads back down the stairs. Before you do go, Captain, do you mind if I convene with Felix about our gains, or if we have any from port? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, I got, and uh, she pulls out the map that uh, Felix gave her. Got the map. Do you mind if I take a look while you speak of Fontaneva? Sure, go for it. And uh, she hands it to you. I was planning on getting all of the officers together later, and we can look over it, see what the deal is. But um, yeah, if you think you could figure something out about it, go for it. Much appreciated. Of course. And she turns and heads down. Um, as she does, uh, there is the sound of a bell coming out from uh, below decks up to the upper decks that uh, catches your attention, Felix. And like, I'm imagining like the couple of people who are like kind of dancing around you as you were like playing music on your hurdy-gurdy. Um, and it catches the attention of everyone on deck. Uh, and you see uh, the quartermaster has come up uh, as well as uh, he's got two people uh, carrying a large round wooden table up from the lower deck to uh, place up here on the main deck. Uh, and you hear him as he goes, all right, everyone, time for the roundup. Uh, and uh, they roll this large wooden table down and place it in the middle of the deck. And you hear like groans and muttering from some of the crew as they all begrudgingly stop doing like all of the little things that they were doing too. As you all do your post port roundup. Uh, and you see uh, the quartermaster, uh, Orville Crowley, is this long, lean string bean of a man who's wearing this like gold, purple, and red like long coat. If skinny jeans existed in this world, <laughs> that is the uh, that is the kind of cut of pants that he is wearing. Uh, but they're just like <laughs> the same kind of like woolen cloth like that uh, everyone else has. These dark brown like skinny ass pants uh, and this big ploofy kind of like fuchsia shirt uh, and a big tricorn hat carrying uh, this large red leather bound ledger uh, with him. He's uh, got kind of like pale skin, really bushy mustache and clean shaven otherwise, uh, and a monocle uh, on his left eye. Uh, and he starts to walk around the table uh, as everyone is, gathers around, arms crossed, starting to already get out their wallets and bags and such. Uh, and Orville goes, 
All right, you lot. You all know the deal, you pickpockets, cut purses, thieves, and murderous bastards, the lot of you. Everything you've gotten from the port on the table split equally between everyone. You know the deal. Uh, and you start seeing people begrudgingly like throwing their purses and bags that most certainly did not belong to them onto the tables uh, as they all start, you know, going through the loot and figuring out what uh, the ship's earnings are. Felix definitely like when everyone is, um, you know, putting their stuff on the table, Felix definitely like makes a bit of a of a of a point of it. I think he goes like <clears throat> and then like holds it up high and then drops it so that it like thunks down. No, 100% you get everybody's attention when you like throw your heaping bag of gold out here on the table. I'm imagining it does the thing where like it lands, rolls, and then spills out onto the table in front of everyone. Oh, of course. And you get some oohs and ahs and everyone's shocked. And you hear like, uh, like a few of them come up to you and like nudge you in the shoulder like, where the hell did you get that amount of money? Felix just goes, oh, I killed a rich man. <laughs> nice. And you get like a few like punches in the arms and high fives uh, from some of the from some of the other crew members. You see uh, Oroville is like looks at it as it like spills onto the table and like looks towards you and gives you like this very big smile under his bushy beard uh, as he like nods and says, Mr. Felix Cormier, really pulling your weight. Good job, lad. Oh, I do what I can. You hear kind of in the back of your mind, like a whisper, like smoke seeping into your mind. You sure you didn't want to keep that? I feel like this happens a lot. And like where where <laughs> Damien you know, speaks to Felix while there's other people around. And I, I feel like Felix feels obligated to answer. Uh, so he just like I think he just replies like kind of under his breath. That's how pirates do things. <laughs> and you're a good pirate, aren't you? Yes. For now. For now? You planning on leaving the life of freedom and luxury? No. I don't think so. No. Why would I? This is... This is what I do. <laughs> For now. And the smoke seeps away. As that kind of fog kind of leaves your mind. You're back here with everyone applauding you for your find and uh, everyone else is kind of going through. And then once everyone has finished throwing their stuff on the table, the quartermaster will go, all right, me and the boys will go through all of this and we will have everyone split by the end of the day. Expect payment at dinner time. And everyone kind of cheers and like, fuck yeah, food and money. All right, that's what we love to hear. And uh, yeah, you see uh, both Orville and the two people who helped him roll uh, the table up here start in public view of everyone going through all of the loot that everyone's gathered uh, so as to be transparent about how much was gotten and where everything is going. And they just kind of stand there and do that about the day. We're going to cut back down to the doc's office. Dr. Blau is done sewing you up. Thorin, uh, he's cleaned the wound, added some salves to it to help dull the pain after the whiskey has run its course and is like in the process of setting your fingers now. 
Avery, you're still down here. He no longer needs you to hold the lantern uh, up to the side. Because probably by kind of motion, like if you want, you can put it back on the hook. It's up to you. Yeah, I go ahead and put the lantern back and um, I'll go back over to Thorn in the dock and I'll be like, well, uh, if, if I'm not needed here anymore, I'll I'll be out of both of your ways. Uh, Thorn, I hope you feel better soon. I'm so sorry about all of this. Avery. Yes. You did good. I'm I'm sorry though. I I shouldn't have left the ship when I was clearly told my broken fingers and open side have nothing to do with you. I might have something to do with a couple of others, but well, I I know that, but I just I I still feel I I I just still feel bad about the whole ordeal. I'm... Can I tell you something? Of course. In your life you will have no problem at all finding shame. So don't take on any that life doesn't give you already. You helped me, and you listened when it really mattered. Thank you. Go have fun up deck. Jesus, you earned it. Okay. Who's Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, that happens in every single, like actual play at some point i've been so cognizant of it (laughs) i've caught myself so many times gods you've you've earned your time up top deck and and to have a good time please we've got this under control and thank you okay if you're if you're certain i'll leave you to it and i uh i have like a little bit more of like the meat skewer in my pocket i take some of the meat and like give it to eldoris on the way out <laughs> yeah eldoris <laughs> happily chomps it up she's appreciative great and uh yeah I'll, I'll head up to the deck see what's going on up there before you head out um as you turn around and like make it to the door uh the doctor calls out to you oh young avery uh yes He points over to, uh, he's got a little stand that's like right there next to the door where you're leaving. Uh, And on top of it, there's a little jar uh, with a bunch of lollipops in it. Uh, And he says, don't forget to take one. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm trying to help Avery. Like... Coming to their own, and then you come in here with this lollipop bullshit. What's wrong with the lollipop? Everyone gets a lollipop. All right, Everyone yes. gets uh, a lollipop. I, I, I lean over and I pocket a lollipop for later. and like What flavor? I like hold it up like, like a, a thank you. Uh, I don't know. Should I? Do you have what like... flavor? No, it's just important, any, important. any flavor. Any flavor. Oh, you say any it, it's flavor? You say it, it's okay. in there. Wow. That's, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, uh, it's strawberry. Wonderful. Right. You had the opportunity to make it something weird. Nope. Little strawberry boy. It's, it's <laughs> eggplant flavored. I, I like the idea. I like the idea that anytime any of us get like badly wounded, if we visit the infirmary, we get to invent any flavor lollipop we yes. want. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what I just did. Amazing. That's, that's, that's so. That's what fucking, I just did. No, no, I'm excited. That, like in the future, is being able to have that power. I'm very, very excited. Avery's a basic, a basic bitch. It's fine. I'm taking yeah. a, a strawberry lollipop. You gotta go with the classics. Of course, I understand. Cool. Yeah, and then you head out, and it's just uh, the doctor and Thorin down here. Uh, Thorin, uh, he finishes uh, setting your your fingers. Kind of, uh, he's got like a long wooden splint that goes across the three of them to kind of help keep them straight. Just wrap them. 
and um, he's like kind of massaged into your fingertips uh, this kind of salve that seeps down and like coats the cloth and says, uh, this will help hasten the healing. Always does. <laughs> I appreciate it, Doc. Of course, of course. Is there anything else I can help you with? No, no. Uh, Eldoris and I, we're, uh, we're gonna go back to our nest, I think. And Thorin gets up and just kind of doesn't quite limp, but just kind of slowly walks out of the room, and I have always imagined Thorin having taken over a broom closet as as quarters. It's not a very big space, in fact, it's a very small place, but since Thorin is 5'3", Thorin just goes into this broom closet that's kind of got a mat on the ground, some, some shelves, one of which Eldoris has her little nest and her trinkets on, other things, you know, you, you see books and things like that, and it is in that moment we see Thorin uh, reach for one of the books, and it is a children's book of ABCs, and each one of the letters has a little sea creature next to it with the appropriate, you know, T for turtle and like that all kind of thing, and we just see him lay down on his mat on his side, low-lit lantern, just carefully turning each page, and that's it. What flavor lollipop did you take? Does Thorin take the lollipop? <sighs> no. The doctor always offers, and Thorin always says no. So, Avery, uh, as you are making your way around the ship, you know, trying to get a better sense of the lay of the boat, uh, as it were, you find your way towards the captain's quarters again. And uh, you see, uh, as you move towards it, uh, you obviously can tell that the door is locked, but you can hear voices inside, so you know the captain is there. And uh, as you move closer, you begin to recognize those voices, and it is the captain and Fontaneva talking about something in kind of a hushed fervor. Obviously talking about something kind of important. Do you listen in? Yeah, Avery's gonna listen. Set the scene for me. What does this look like? Yeah, so I like head towards like the deck and then I'm like, oh, I really wanted to talk with the captain. And I like hang hang a left or whatever and like head toward the captain's quarters and like I'm just strolling up like I'm going to knock on the door and then I hear some voices and like freeze mm -hmm. and then kind of like judging how close I am to the door. I'm like, have they noticed I'm here yet? They haven't, and then I'm going to, like, move to the side of it so that, like, hopefully there wouldn't be a shadow under the door, and I'm, yeah, just going to kind of, like, listen for a second. You kind of lean in closer to get a, a better sense of what it is that they're talking about in there, and uh, what you can pick up on is you hear Fontaneva go, she put all of us in danger. I don't think you understand that. Like, we, they can't just... What would have happened if she had fired? And you get the sense that Fontaneva is talking about the fact that Bryn threatened to open fire on the Navy while at port. Fontaneva thinks that that action was brash and doesn't like that it was taken unilaterally by the ship's navigator, especially because during that period of time, Fontaneva was in charge of the ship. When I hear like a general break in the conversation of some sort, 
I'm going to, like, take a pace or two back, and I'm going to walk up to the door a little bit more pronouncedly and, like, knock. Captain? <laughs> yes? Captain? Who, who is it? Uh, it's Avery. Avery Alistair? Yeah, no, no, I know who you are. Uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. And you hear footsteps, like, approaching the door, and then... Uh, she kind of opens it up a little bit, cracks it open, and, like, peers through. And it's like, hey, I'm in a conversation right now. Can I help you? Oh, uh, sorry. I was... No, uh, never mind then. I'm, I'm sorry to have interrupted. Uh, can we catch up later, perhaps? Yeah, sure, yeah. Great, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know what was going on with, uh, everything, honestly. I, I don't know what was... Anyways... You're busy. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Hey, no, I get it. Hey, thank you for coming to me. Thank you for coming and talking to me. We're going to debrief. You know, we're going to have time at dinner later to kind of Great. talk about everything that is happening and where we're going. Uh, thank you. That thing that you did helping Brent out and, and, and Thorin, that thing. Cool. Real cool. Happy, happy to help in any, any way I can. Uh, I, I'd like to be useful. Okay. Okay. Cool. Good. Good to know. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Um, um, if, <laughs> just try. is there? Uh, we we can talk about this at dinner. We can talk. Yes, about this absolutely. At I'm so sorry. And uh, like, okay. it's like this is all happening. Like Avery's trying to take like steps back and is getting like a step away and then still talking and then taking a step away and still talking, trying to exit the conversation, but also trying not to be impolite. Um, and yeah, eventually it's just like, yeah, we'll we'll talk at dinner. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And no. No. Just, no. Like, yeah. We'll talk. Then. Leaves okay. to go up deck. Awesome. Bye. And then, like, she watches you walk off before closing the door. <laughs> Where do you go after that? I'll I'll go above deck and uh, I'll try and find Bryn, I guess. Okay. Bryn, where are you at? I think Bryn is hanging in the shroud of the ship, which is, like, that little web-like um, rigging on the sides. And kind of has, like... Uh, her legs laced and like her arms through with her back to the outside of the ship, looking at the map that Captain Hanno gave to her. Uh, to describe the map again, it is a blank piece of parchment, or at least blank in that there is no map on it, but there is a like a dotted box around the frame of it. And on the outside of that are words written in red. Play my music if you dare. Turn my crank, although I'm square. Stand back or get a scare when you see my surprising glare. While Bryn is kind of like reading through and realizing this, um, I remember you mentioning that whenever I was in the room where Sergio was um, just taking a nap in that chair, that the map had a hum to it. Do I still feel that hum? Yes, you do feel the hum. The hum feels like it's coming from this piece of parchment itself. It is... Uh, Almost as if the very paper or the very fibers of this piece of parchment are somehow inlaid with perhaps meteorite dust, some kind of, uh, or you, you don't know if it was like whatever the writing on here, if it was written with um, perhaps something that was imbued with meteorite dust, or if the very paper itself is. But something about this hums with the same kind of frequency that the compass in the ship does. Understood. Um, as Bren kind of puts these two things together, she takes it a moment to roll it back up and kind of untwine herself through the webbing 
and the shroud and kind of starts to move towards to climb up the rigging to move higher up into the mass. And I think that's when Avery starts to come over. What What's that you have? Oh, Mr. Avery, um, it's our spoils from port. I was actually about to head to the crow's nest to take a closer look at it. Care to join me? It's quite lovely, especially as the sun's going down. We're making our way out of the storm, so I imagine be quite a view if you don't mind. Sure, I, I would be happy to. Um, yeah, and I'll just climb my way up. As they get to like the crow's nest, um, you see like Bryn. Bryn's usually a very like solemn individual, They're, like at least like a kind of intense personality. Um, and as Bryn gets into the crow's nest, her body kind of loosens up and the smile comes across her face. And she turns to you as she like kind of puts her hands uh, across the, the railings and uh, levitates a little bit, um, looking around the sky. Isn't it wonderful, Avery? This place is beautiful. We should wait until the nights. Once we get out from port and the sky is full of stars, it is magnificent. Unbelievable. It's lovely. I do always enjoy my time out at sea. It's a different kind of beautiful, that's for sure. How long have you been sailing, Avery? It's not long you've been with us, but before. You've been with other crews. Um, I don't really believe you've had a moment to speak too much. But Captain Hanno seems to hold you in high regard, so I, I must do the same. Sailing is not exactly what I'd, I'd call it, but uh, I've been working with ships, boats, mostly with trading and such. Uh, up to this point, but I've recently just found some points of intrigue that this ship seems to fulfill. I just want to know more. Quite a wide skill set and varied interests. What about the ship seems to draw your eye? Is it the crew or just the ship itself? The ship itself. What it connects to. Really? Do explain. I have a brother and... He has this connection with the cathedral. As you say that, Bryn's face goes from joy to, like, concern. And I want to know all that I can about it in order to help him, help others, understand more fully. So here I am. Now, I, I do, as I said, hold you in high regard, and I believe that you know what you're trifling with, but do be careful. The cathedral is no place for anyone to tread lightly. This thing is quite powerful. If you are as interested as I believe you to be, then you know as well it is a place of immense power. That I do. I'm not interested in the power. But it is interested in you, dear boy. Well, uh, I would be surprised, honestly. Uh, and... Avery just kind of shrugs that comment off, and you can see that he's definitely trying to, like, steer that attention away. What is this this paper that you have? How is it related to the spoils? Um, well, it seems to be some sort of, well, Captain Hanno called it a map, but it's but a riddle so far, but I believe there's more. Um, there's an old story um, from where I come from. And the writing around here, and, and Bryn opens it up and kind of shows it to Avery. It's like, this is, it relates to these stories and little folk tales I grew up with in, in uh, Belle Nui. Jack in the Box, of course. I've, I've heard of it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> My studies. 
Yes. It's surprising. Not many people not from Belnui seem to take much interest in the actual history of the place. So it's nice to see it. But there's something more special about this map. Avery like takes a moment to like read the actual poem on the outside of it. Yeah. Is it is it as straightforward as it seems? I don't know yet. But what I do know, I don't know if you feel it, but the ship has a bit of a tingle, a hum to it, if you will. And Bryn kind of like runs uh, her fingertips along the, the railing. Much like the ship, this piece of paper, as you call it, also has a tingle, a hum. I can feel it the same way. It's not as strong, for sure, but it's there. Do you mind if I look for a second? I like hold up my hand for the map. No, but of course. And um, she hands it to you. So I'm going to take out, like, a quill, no ink, and I'm just going to try writing out the word Jacques inside the borders. You do so. You write the word Jacques inside of the borders. There is no response. Okay. Figured it wouldn't be that straightforward. Worth a shot. No, it's quite honorable, honestly, and the attempt is much worthy. But these things tend to have a bit of a... tricky nature to them. They wouldn't make it easy if it wasn't worth your time, so do you mind if I try? Absolutely. I hand it right back, yeah. Yeah, Bryn uh, reaches out her hand and opens it up and takes a look and, and touches her um, her hand to the, the map and tries to see if there's anything that she can connect to through that hum and that tingle. Is this a specific role that you are trying to do? I could also do an investigate if with my look over it. I think it's reasonable for us to say that this is something related to your studies, at least tangentially in a way, where you could roll your sea scholars. So, roll plus Spitfire, Avery. That's a 12. Okay, on a 10, okay, okay, very good. Uh, So on a hit, you can ask one question about it. And I will answer honestly. On a 10 plus, you will also either be compelled to learn more at any cost, or you can choose not to be compelled, or you could ask another question and still be compelled. Which area of my studies is it most tied to? Pirate folklore and culture. As you're looking over this and, you know, you see this riddle that is tied to this old Belanusian tale. Um, and the thing that, like, has purportedly, as far as everyone has been saying, is the thing that you went there to get, right? Um, the thing that, uh, and I believe you were, like, around, if not in the huddle, when they were kind of talking about the plan on, like, what they were going to do once they got off the ship. You know that the person who collected this, like, is a collector of pirate culture and pirate history. And, like, for something that is a collectors something that was supposedly like going to be sold and the thing that ended up like you guys got into a whole mess over this thing um and you still don't know if the navy was here because they were after it you don't know if they were just there because things were going down you still don't know if the painted fleet was there for it or not you don't know who the buyers were 
And like the fact that like you have it and like now there's just more questions of like there's this riddle that we need to solve to even figure out what this thing is. Like all of that is just like bubbling in your mind as you are looking over it and like you think you've solved the riddle. Like you you're like, oh, it's Jack in the Box and you've written Jacques in there. And it's like, well, that is, you know, it's got to be something. Right. You want to ask another question? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. I want to know how to solve the riddle. Okay. As you're looking at this, you believe you solved it with Jack in the Box. And you're like, you've written Jacques. Like, what else is there? And it dawns on you. You didn't draw the box. There's just Jacques on there. Well, wasn't there a border already? A dotted line, yes. Mmm. Cool. And you're compelled at this point. You figure it out. You know how to solve it. And you will go to any lengths to figure out what it means to have it solved. And so currently, you are compelled to do it, to learn it, to take the map from Brynn, draw on the box, and see what happens. Do you try to resist this compulsion? Or do you let it take you? I'm going to resist that. I'm going to resist that urge. Uh, so if you're going to try to resist it, that means you're going to try to stand your ground. When you stand your ground in the face of a compel, you must spend X bond with someone relevant. Explain how they're helping you overcome yourself. I have one bond with Bryn. All right. How does uh, your bond with Bryn help you overcome this? Um, I think it's just the idea of like, I'm trying to socialize with Bryn and be like, generally like, friendly and not step on any toes. I don't want to look like a, a crazed person <laughs> in front of somebody that I'm uh, trying to forge a friendship with, especially after having this discussion about power in, in and of itself and being like, Bryn's going to think that I've just been seized by like a need for the power, but I don't need the power. I just want to know, <laughs> but I'm still like, I can't do that. Yeah. I need to. Yeah. So spend your one bond uh, that you have with Bryn and roll plus one. Okay. That's a six. That is a failure. Yes, it is. So uh, mark one experience points, first of all. And then I think I'm going to take a weakness here. Oh, fine. I'm so glad that I basically solved it myself. <laughs> I still yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This has been manipulation brought to you by Kendrick. Yep. Avery, explain to me what it is like when you uh, grab the map to, to fill in the box. Bryn's holding the map and I'm like, my, my palms just start itching with the fact that like, I'm looking at the map again and going, it's a dotted line. It's a dotted line. I need to connect. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, Bryn, could I, could I have that back for a second? Only a moment, Avery. I don't see much. Please, could I have it back for a second? I, 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 I. I've overlooked something quite obvious. I just, I need to, I need to rectify. Really? What, what do you think it is? And Bryn kind of like, please, um, like looks back and is like, what do you think you've missed? Can I, pl can I please have the map? Quite eager. I'm excited to see you. I, I am so, I just, I need, I need to show, I need to show you. I, I, it's, it's so, please. No, no worries, Avery. I understand. And Bryn rolls it and hands it to Avery. He's like, I appreciate your enthusiasm for our journey. Great. The moment that it's in Avery's hand, he's unrolled it again and is doing the same thing with the quill and like draws the box around and writes. I, I do want to say as well, um, 
Avery is like scribbling on the map. Uh, Bryn is kind of like floating on the outside of the crow's nest with her arms on like on like the railing, looking in and resting her chin on her hands, just kind of like watching Avery. As you finish tracing the box around the name Jacques, you feel your hand pull forward where the tip of your quill is like pressing into the map now, and it redraws it leaving behind a red mark as dark and crimson as blood, redrawing the box. And instead of writing the name Jacques in there, you begin to feel your hand pushed and pulled around the piece of paper as you begin drawing the outline of land and sea and trees. And you begin to feel yourself moved across from left to right across the page until at the end of it, there is a map written in dark red blood ink. And you feel a chill across your spine as you feel your hand let go of. And Avery, you have the weakness cursed. You can't use luck without witchery. So Bryn, you have just watched uh, an almost possessed Avery draw in this map. Um, Bryn uh, kind of floats up and, and moves to Avery and puts a hand on um, his shoulder in concern. Avery Alistair, brilliant work, honestly. Can we take this to Captain Hanno immediately? Are you... And then kind of takes a moment like, and the excitement of the map and like, looks at Avery's face. Are you all right? Avery's just like really pale, probably sweating a little bit, just like having that energy like possess him and like... He wanted to know what the map was, but he was definitely fighting it at the same time. So, like, that struggle was, like, playing out across his physicality in general. And so uh, you say that and he just immediately drops the quill uh, and, like, stumbles back a little bit. As you do that, Bryn's, like, kind of floating in midair and kind of still keeping um, her left hand on your right shoulder, kind of floats around your face and puts her index finger underneath your chin and her thumb like, underneath your lip and looks into your eyes and I'm gonna use size up. Ooh, okay, love that. Uh, size up, when you size someone up, roll plus vinegar. Why are you staring into my soul? What are my look into your soul dice? <laughs> I think it's these ones. That's an eight. Okay, so on a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one as well. And you can spend one hold, one for one, to ask one of the following questions. Uh, so, uh, Bryn, you can ask two of the questions from size up. Avery, you can ask one in response. And you can ask these questions in any order that you would like. The first one I'm going to ask is, what is your goal here? Can we do this as sort of a mental link? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, okay, if that's how we want to flavor it, then yes, this can be you linking in an almost like magical way with Avery's mind. Okay. What is your goal here? My goal here is to like in the, the ship in general, like what is the... I, I imagine this is like Bryn is connecting and, and seeking out and gaining memories from Avery and thoughts of Avery that I've, like Avery has had pertaining to what Avery wants to do here and why Avery is on this ship. Really, why Avery is really on this ship. Avery is really on this ship because he wants to know about the Driftwood Cathedral, but he wants to support 
his brother, he wants to make something of himself. He has a chip on his shoulder. Gotcha. I'm going to let you ask your question first. I'm going to respond in kind. What is, what's your goal here? As we make eyes, Avery gets a very vivid image in his mind. Avery finds himself atop a mountain, staring into the cosmos and the stars of the night sky. Next to him is Bryn. And Bryn is on that mountain, and you see her hovering, her body fully um, in her celestial form, her tattoos pulsating and glowing brighter than you've ever seen before. Her eyes are like beams of light, and she is calling to the sky. And as she does, you see a ball of fire falling from the heavens closer and closer towards you. And as it almost makes impact, Avery finds himself standing atop the crow's nest, looking into Bryn's eyes. Cool. That's a normal thing that people do. Uh, You have another question. I think the question is, Bryn wants to know how she can get you to aid her in her journey and to, to pique your interest in convening with the celestial spirits. I mean, if it's something that is intriguing on a level of my research, or if it is something that, like, that's, I'm, I'm going to follow whatever thread I can to find out more about the Driftwood Cathedral, about religions, pre and post flood, like all of those kinds of things are in my scope of interest. So if it's something... It's basically enticing you with knowledge. Enticing, yeah. If it's a knowledge that I I am interested in having, yeah. Got you. After that brief moment, Bryn kind of takes both her hands to your shoulders and... Avery, Avery, are you all right? Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I got a little carried away there. Uh, it's, it's no worries, honestly. We, could, we should head to Captain Hano as soon as possible. Do you need to head to the infirmary? Are you okay? I, uh, I'm fine. I, I'll probably just, I just have to sleep it off, I'm sure. No, but of course. Are you okay to go to the captain's quarters with me? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, climb down out of the crow's nest cautiously. <laughs> as the two of you climb down, we're going to cut over to Felix. Felix, what have you been getting up to? So I think I think Felix has been kind of casually observing this, not really thinking of getting involved or anything. He has sort of isolated himself, and he is he's going to talk to Damien. Where in the ship uh, have you isolated yourself? I think he's he's still uh, still up top. He's just like kind of off to the side, probably like leaning against the the railing. Just just observing what's going on on the ship. He just uh, he just says, I know you're not going to answer this, but what are we doing here? It's not that I don't appreciate you, your your guidance, but I felt drawn to this life as as a means to further my business, my, uh, you know, to employ my skill set. And I feel as if maybe. I'm being plunged into a world of Damien. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a ship piloted by a ghost. I'm searching for I, I I picked up a magic treasure map of some kind. Felix, my boy. Is there anything wrong with being out on the open sea? Wind in your hair, salt on your tongue. 
surrounded by like-minded folk willing to do the same kind of skullbuggery that you prefer to get up to? Oh no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. But, uh, oh come now, you understand what I'm, what I mean. This isn't a mere ship of cutthroats and then thieves. Call it concerned that, uh, you might be guiding me to somewhere, to something that, uh, I'm not entirely equipped to handle. I think you'll find yourself to be far more equipped than you lead yourself to believe. All paths we take in life lead us down many, many roads, winding and twisting, coming into each other, falling out, splitting apart and leading us in directions we never knew we would go. And I do believe you have found yourself on a path, my dear friend, that leads towards the future of this world. You will play your part, as we all do. And maybe, just maybe, if you trust me, You'll learn a thing or two. But for now, all you have to do is be here. Watch, learn, and do whatever it is your heart tells you. And as they say that, I'm kind of imagining that you are like on the like off to a corner of the ship, like leaning against the railing in the shadow of the helm uh, above you. And as you hear those words, you see crawling along the side of the ship, along the railing, inching its way towards you, is a worm slowly moving towards you until it's like right within your reach. And then it just kind of spools itself on the railing and stops. I think I think Felix uh, gets a gets a very, very slight smile on his face because this is something he knows. This is, this is, this is familiar territory. And he, uh, yeah, he, 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 he grabs the worm. You know what this worm is. This is correspondence between you and your superiors. A mission to undertake. A person to kill. There's only one way to get the information that you need from this worm. What is it? I remember, yeah, you, you told me to uh, decide, uh, decide how to, how to do this. When he goes to sleep tonight, he will place the uh, worm next to his ear. The worm will enter his ear, and then he will dream about his target. You hear Damien go, Well, it seems you're on the right path. More work to be done, more people to kill. There's always someone to kill. And see, that's what I'm good at. That's what I can do. Are they the right people, though? Never mattered before. Not to you. Not to you. Well, I don't want to linger. I have business to take care of. If you need me, you know how to call. Of course. Like a puff of smoke, his presence dissipates from you. So, quick check-in with Thorin. Um, how, how you doing, bud? Curled up in the fetal position, wound air side up, clutching the book with Eldorus having made nest in his hair. And if anyone would Aww. like to disturb that, that's on them. All right, fair enough. I think people know not to disturb Thorin, you know? So we'll move on from Thorin. 
as the day progresses and the sun gets low in the sky and the winds begin to die down, the smells of food begin to waft about on the ship as Johan's work starts to get to its full height. If anyone were to pass by the galley during this time of day, they would see a hustle and bustle as Johan orders around his few cooking assistants that he keeps with him on the ship as he is hard at work making what is sure to be the best food anyone on this ship has had in weeks. It is, after all, the first night after a day at port where all of you know that Johan spends the entire time with him and his assistants going around getting the best spices, cuts of meat and vegetables, all in preparation for this very feast. For many of you, it is the reason why you continue to push through the arduous work, daring adventure, and oftentimes risking your lives because you know that once you come back from port, you are going to get a Johan specialty. And in the kitchen right now, there is a large metal grate that he keeps in the center of the kitchen. It is a very small, maybe like four or five inch tall square that rises up from the wooden floorboards and in it is like packed in sand to keep the fire that he has roaring from getting on any of the wood and possibly setting the ship aflame. And above that fire, hanging from chains that are hooked into the rafters above, there is this large pan It's essentially a large metal disc that is slightly concaved towards the center of it. Um, And probably, this probably goes out about like 24 inches in diameter. So it is large hanging from these metal rafters. And currently the like concave part is facing downward so that it slopes inward so it can be kind of used like a walk in this way. And Johan is standing above it with his assistants uh, on the sides with all of the different me's, throwing them into the pan so he can stir fry them, pouring on oil to help get a nice sear on the onions and garlic going into this and the carrots as he's starting to make a bit of a stir fry here. And the savory, spicy, salty smells start wafting about here as he throws in the cut up chicken thighs, throws in the rice, gets a nice sear on it, get that nice, really crispy kind of fried rice. The people passing by only get little bits and pieces of this experience as anyone lingering for too long quickly gets shooed away so as to not distract him from his work. But once the work is done, the dinner bell sounds and everyone on the ship knows that it's time to feast avery and bryn uh headed towards the captain's quarters uh so the four of you the captain uh fontaneva and then the two of you are coming out from there having kind of discussed the map in some detail but not terribly much so as uh to leave a lot of the conversation for the larger group so you can all decide on how to move forward with it Uh, Felix, you've been called over from your darkened corner 
on the upper deck of the ship and make your way down towards where the large table where they were collecting all of the uh, loot and stuff has been cleaned off and is being made ready for a bunch of different like small plates and bowls for people and utensils and stuff, whatever the people uh, need in order to eat this meal. And Thorin, you in your little closet uh, hear the faint sound of the dinner bell uh, calling you forth from your slumber. And all of you make your way to the deck. And you can see people are starting to gather around. Some of them sit at small stools around the table. Some of them grab their bowls and move off to the side so, because there's not enough room for all of you. There's like 20, like six of you on here. It's a big table. It's not that big. But yeah, everybody starts getting ready. Uh, Johan comes out. He has the big old pan uh, with them. And like they uh, gather essentially what is like a, a big bowl to put in the center of the table. And he starts like scooping out the stir fry onto the uh, into the bowl. And people start grabbing their plates and stuff and spoons and going at it. And during this dinner, is there anyone that any of you all want to speak to? Any uh, business that you need to take care of? Anything like that? Um, I want to preface that, like, as we, as everyone is sat around the big table, Bryn is instead standing beside it and does not have a place set at the table, nor does she have any food. Thorne's definitely going to go up to Johan personally. And uh, Johan joined the crew at the same time I did, lived in the fishing village with me for a few years before we were recruited uh, by Hano. So there's kind of a history there. And with that, I think only the promise of Johan's cooking and Johan's face has brought Thorn out of his broom closet. So he kind of slowly comes up and says, I've got you working hard as always. It smells wonderful. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. It's no harder than uh, any work that I would want to do. That is, that is for sure. Hard work means good food. Good food means happy bellies. I think I'll just uh, take my plate back to bed. And unless anyone stops him, Thorin gets a plate and starts to make for the door. Thorin! <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> Felix, yeah, Felix, Felix goes up to Thorin. Hello, Thorin. I, I just, I wanted to make sure you're, 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 you're doing all right. You seem to have a, have a bit of a rough time in the port. You, you recovering well? Sure. Well, good to hear. What happened on that boat, Felix? Oh, it, um, it caught fire. Did it? Clearly, yes. You saw it, right? I did see it, so why I asked, how did that happen? Well, who of us can really say how fireworks, you know, uh, uh, you know, wood uh, tends to catch quite easily. Uh, uh, you know, paper, for uh, for sure. Oh, but you mean this more the specifics? Oh, yes, I started it. Yes. <laughs> Felix is such a little shit. I love it. Why did you start the fire? Well, why did you take these people's home? I wanted what we came here for, and I was uh, not being given what I wanted. So I employed a bit of aggressive negotiation. I appreciate your clarity. It helps me to know how to go forward. Rest well, Felix. 
Don't be so grim about all of this. I have walked away. I think uh, before, like, as you and Felix part ways, uh, Captain Hano calls out to you from, like, back over towards the table. Shit. Thorin, where are you going? Come oh, on. Loud. This man oh. just wants to sleep. Thorin, don't tell me you're just going to hide away in a closet. Come on, we're partying. I'm familiar with the closet. It understands me. And, and she, like, kind of, like, gets up and comes over to you. Look, Thorin, I get it. Don't. Go do what you're doing. What? I'll sit. Just spare me. All right. And she'll, like, kind of put her hand and hook up and back away. Yeah. Thorin finds a seat by the very near the door towards the back, um, wishing he were huddled up with Eldoris as he left her to continue to rest. Um, I want to talk to the captain if that is... Yeah, if there no, is space to do that, <laughs> Bryn, yeah, Bryn and no, I are sure. coming down from the crow's nest. So, I mean, we can both go and bring the map. Yeah, no, um, Bryn is like standing like kind of a few feet back over the shoulder of the captain, kind of just like um, hovering around the table. I think uh, she, Fontaneva and Avery are sitting on like one side of the table. I think, Avery, you have the map showing it to uh, showing it to the captain with Bryn hovering behind the three of you, looking uh, and, you know, talking as well. So, yeah, obviously you can tell it's uh, a little more complete now. It's odd, right? The map is of Puerto Eliminado, the place that you just left, uh, and is essentially saying that you all need to chart a path back towards mainland Espinora, and along the coast somewhere in between those two palm trees on the map, there is an X marks the spot there. And then from there, it then trails back to an, an island kind of to the north of all of you, still along the coast, uh, a lot closer than Puerto Eliminado uh, is. And putting another X there. You don't know why there are two spots here and you don't know what's there. It doesn't give you that information. Um, but as you're looking at it, and what the captain is kind of getting at here is that, like, it's odd, right? Why does this map, I mean, well, I mean, it's convenient, I guess, that it starts from Puerto Eliminado. just feels strangely convenient. Agreed. I haven't seen a map like it. Doesn't mean that there's not something to be found. Is it possible this map is made recently? A message for Sergio. This wasn't what Sergio, the map itself wasn't what Sergio wanted. The information being delivered to him, perchance. Could be. That would make sense then. I guess he needed someone to transcribe it for him. I believe so. Well, we have it now, so we can get whatever it is that he was going to get. Hopefully. I wonder what connections Sergio has that we may not. Mainland Aspinora is quite a place for us to be. I'm prepared to go if you want, Captain, but we must be aware of the circumstances. Don't want to run into the Espinoran Navy, that's for sure. Or the Union one, that's for sure. Either. Uh, Speaking of which, we've already done that. That was um, not that, great. Yes, yes, that was... We have run-ins, you know, with our business. Uh, it is, yeah. Understand that. I just... Do you have sympathies for the Union, Avery? Sympathies is perhaps a strong word. I don't have 
sympathies for them. I would like to not interact with them if possible, but... Antoneva chimes in when you say that and says, agreed. And she's just like looking into uh, her bowl of stir fry and just like not making eye contact with anyone. But I know of people who are sympathetic to the Union Navy and who are knowledgeable and connected. And I don't want to be associated on the other side of the Union Navy, if that makes sense. Let me remind you, Avery Alistair, that when aboard this ship, if a Union soldier is to find that you are a member of this ship, they share no sympathies for you. You are as good as the end of a noose to them. If the Union Navy finds me on the ship, it is the Clara story, not the Bois Perdu. This ship is captained by Captain Hanno, and while you may be new, Captain Hanno has quite a long reputation with the Union. Understood. Avery, look, I understand your hesitance of wanting to get in- involved uh, with the authorities. It is messy business, and... It is. I was recognized. What? I was recognized by one of the Union, so I would like us to avoid that in the future. Avery, as long as you are on this ship, you will always be in danger. That is the life we live, and is the life that we have chosen to live. As long as you are here, doing what we do, there's a chance that you will end on the other end of a barrel to a Union soldier, or to an Espinoran soldier, or to a Marvellan soldier, or hell, a Ziegenlin one. As long as you are here, you are at risk of that. Regardless of who you know, your position, or anyone who may have sympathies for the Union Navy, the moment you stepped on the ship, all of that goes away. However, and <laughs> turns over to yeah, Thorin. Thorin is kind of slowly, kind of walked up on your conversation, and so he goes, "Well, that may be a well and true, Captain. While we do." put ourselves at risk on this ship, we also have reasons, good reasons in theory, as to why we do that. So I think perhaps Avery is willing to do that, but there would have to be a good reason. What about this map causes you to be so assured in following it? And if you don't know, if you don't know what this is leading to or what kind of thing this is leading to, we need to decide whether it's worth pursuing. And if you do know anything, you need to tell us. Because I, nor should anyone else, have to walk into a situation where we don't have all of the information ahead of time. That's going to get people killed. It's gotten me messed up pretty bad. She looks at you for a while. A kind of not vacant, but shrouded look. It's hard to tell what she's feeling in this moment as she listens to you quietly, intently. She nods and says, if this map does indeed belong to one of the first pirate lords, those who signed their names and blood upon the code of the black arms, if this is indeed, and she holds it up, their map, We are looking at possibly a discovery of a lifetime, a treasure that has been untouched 
since the age of monsters, we're looking at something that is possibly so powerful or so valuable that even one of the sharks would give most of their fortunes away just to hold it. I don't know how Sergio got his hands on it, but it isn't ours now. We shan't waste the opportunity. I understand your frustrations. It is regrettable that we have found ourselves in the positions that we have. We perhaps did not all act the most efficiently and thoughtfully, she says, looking around. But we are here, and we have this. Thorn, you may sit out the rest of this adventure if you would like. But as captain of this ship, I will not make the journey it took to get this in vain by not continuing to follow its path. I didn't ask you not to continue it. I asked why you've given me your answer. I appreciate that. In my experience, when it comes to giving up wealth for the next opportunity, you give anything, whatever this is, whatever you think it could be, I wouldn't ask yourself, or any of you, I wouldn't tell you to ask yourselves, what will it cost me, without not having also asked who it might cost me. Just keep it in mind. As much as you all frustrate me, don't make me bury you. I'd hate you for it. Counsel is appreciated. I don't think we'll be burying any of us soon. Certainly not today. No, not today. Eat, and we'll discuss more later, I'm sure. I need to lay down. And Thorin, yeah, Thorin gets up and uh, kind of nods at all of you individually. Uh, you included, Bryn. There's not an anger there, but there is definitely a deep, deep concern and distrust. But it's not anger. Bryn um, steps forward. And um, kind of speaks up. Captain, if I may, I believe Thorin and Fontaneva have something to say more than what has been spoken. And I think it's best that as a crew that is spoken and not left to fester like a wound. Fair enough. I uh, didn't want to take over the evening with what might come off as pity, but if... That's something you're ready to discuss, then we can discuss it. I'll be blunt with you, Bryn. There were three separate occasions that I've deduced in the time we were on the island that your actions put someone or something at risk. They were decisions that were made of oneself and not of a crew. You got involved with the police. That's not necessarily your fault. Things happen. But it did cause issues. And then, once we, you, me, and Hano had finally gotten together, you evaporated through the walls before we could discuss what we were really doing. Me and Hano got separated. I was wounded. And I'm not saying it necessarily would have gone better than that. But we don't know because you were gone. And the third, which... I've heard chatterings, and I did have my own speculation. Without being provoked directly, you aimed our cannons at the Union Navy. I have no sympathy for the Union Navy, not as a construct. However, in that moment, we could have lost everything. One ship did. 
they lost everything. And that's not your fault, but it's it's us. Everything that we do, that you do, that Felix does, it's not just you doing it. Everyone takes it as this ship, us. We have to be us. And I would never forget that, Thorin. But it seems you forget something very important. When you step aboard this vessel, all of us decided to abide by the code. And if you question me turning on the Union Navy, oh, look only to Rule 9 of the code. That sailors of honor stand together against our mutual enemies. If any law given would contradict this law or the first, it'd be cast away. The painted fleet, or we may be in, in rivalry of them, we may be chasing the same things and have contradicting goals. It is our job to help the people that stand with us at any cost necessary in the hope that they'll do the same. <laughs> What do you think about that, Felix? About standing with our brothers, caring for them? Thorin. Thorin, I never questioned you and Felix's on the Painted Fleet ship, because I believed that you guys did what right. While I did not wish to have their ship burned, I believed that was the right thing to do, and I trusted you to make that choice. I did not make that choice. But Felix did. <sighs> You're awful cautious for a pirate, Thorin. You ask. Why we go about setting ships ablaze and pointing our cannons at others. And you ask why we do this, and you remind us that others will see our ship as, 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 as those actions. And I ask, why shouldn't they? Because it puts everyone on this ship at risk. It's the same reason we got two bloody names. It's rationale, it's reasonability, it's protecting the people that, yes, risk everything to be on this boat, but also, I do everything I can to make sure that those lads are as safe as they can be. There's no treasure to me that's worth their safety first. If we go down, there is no ship, there is no treasure, there is no future adventure. And you talk about, Bryn, the law. You say we take aim in the theory that we're standing up in arms with our brethren while we're burning them at the stake at the same time? Nay, I don't want to hear it. Thorin, I ask one question of you. Please. We sit in port. We don't turn our ship. The Union brings back Captain Hanno, a fort full of cannons armed by blue coats, pointed at our ship. They weren't pointed at us. The moment they have Captain Hanno in arm, and they recognize who we are, every cannon in that fort goes to our ship. We have no bargaining chip. What then? All right, that's enough. Captain Hanno slams down uh, her ball on the table. I'm tired of hearing these what-ifs, what-nots, whatever. It doesn't matter. What we do know are the things that happen that each of us made choices. And whether or not we agree with those choices, they have been made. Now, we can sit here and discuss how to move forward in the future and how to better communicate and how to better make choices as a group rather than as individuals. But we will not tear ourselves apart debating on the past and potential presence. Because there are no potential presents. There is only the present in front of us. 
Thorin Fontaneva. Whether or not you agree with the decision that Bryn made, it is the decision that was made. And it has led us here. I am safe. Thorin, you are banged up. But as far as I'm aware, you're banged up not because of the decision that Bryn made. Felix, you burned a ship. Yes. A fellow pirate. Yes. Don't do it again. Do you hear me? I hear you. Do you understand me? On a surface level, I suppose, but... Then make it deeper. Who brought this map back to the ship? Who brought more coin than anyone else? Map and coin mean nothing if we don't have our honor. And this is the wishy-washy bullshit that I'm talking about. I will ask you to speak when it is time for you to speak. I am the captain of this ship, and I will not have us bickering. If Bryn makes the decision of where your cannons go, when you put Fontaneva in charge... We're done! Careful, Thorn. And Thorn walks away. Careful, careful. Yeah, Thorn's gone. He's done with this situation. You see that Hano sits here in her chair, fist curled and tight, her face flush with red, hot steam. Captain, I will, from now on, attempt to... Restrain myself. But when you need fury and fire called down upon our enemies, don't come to me. 